Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a wife and mom of two. I'm currently a kindergarten teacher, a freelance writer for magazines, as well as a blogger at This Mom Loves. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about the importance of reading aloud to kids, but particularly to your older kids. In the lifestyle section, I'm going to be sharing six ways to simplify your life. And my special guest today is Meredith Kirk. I got to know Meredith when she was the designer for our major home reno, which is getting rave reviews. She's also going to share some real estate advice as that's the field she's working in right now. We're going to talk a little bit about parenting, about faith, and also have an interesting conversation about celebrity gossip culture. Meredith is the sister of um, NHL retiree Mike Fisher, and of course, sister-in-law of country singer Carrie Underwood. So we're gonna have an interesting chat about that as well. So please do stick around. To start off, a little conversation about the importance of reading aloud to kids. So I think everybody knows when your kids are little, it's important to read to them. I know I started when uh, when my children were in utero reading uh, children's books to them. And we know that as kids are learning to read before they read themselves, we read to them, nightly reading, snuggling up and reading a good book. With little ones, there's so much that they're learning. I know as a kindergarten teacher, I give very, very minimal homework. But the first few weeks of school, I had just a weekly task for families to do as they read at night. So for example, talk about the cover of a book, just so the child knows this is called the cover. This is the picture and this is the the author's name, the people, the person who wrote the words, and this is the illustrator who drew the pictures. And then as you go, maybe one week it was track the print with your finger so the child sees that it's going left to right. Have them flip the pages for you so that they see where you start at the front of the book and go to the back. And then of course, as they get older, they start identifying letters and identifying words that they recognize, looking at the pictures to try to guess what the words are and what's going on with the story, making predictions, all of that rich stuff. But as kids get older, sometimes we forget that even though they can read to themselves, there can be some benefits to reading to them. I know there's also some interesting um, stats about how the houses with the most books um, correlate with the kids who have the highest reading scores and, and do best in that subject. And I've always taken a little bit of issue with this because... My girls have stocked bookshelves. I mean, of course, I like to think of myself as a good parent that way, especially as a teacher. But in terms of being an adult, I read so much. And in my children's lifetimes, there have been thousands of books gone through my hands. But I'm the type where I like to use the library when I can. And also, I donate my books and pass them on to other people as soon as I'm done with them. So my bookshelf itself probably only has a few books on it, the really special ones I want to keep, and then the ones that I'm, I'm waiting to read next. So I don't think that always, um, that stat always works, but I do think it's important for kids to have lots of books on hand at any age. And when they're older, the value in reading to them, there are many different, um, different things that are good about that. So one is that they can hear stories that they can't necessarily access themselves by reading. So you wouldn't necessarily read to them a book that they are capable of reading themselves. Pick something at a bit of a higher level, obviously still with appropriate content, but perhaps, you know, just a grade or two above what they can read on their own, which is really, really great for struggling readers, because if they're not even reading books at their grade level, they're missing all of that great content that um, that the other kids their age are getting and all of those stories that are really age appropriate for them, but they're just not able to read the words. So that can be helpful. Of course, there's the bonding that comes along with cuddling up and reading a good book. We started doing this again in my house. My 10-year-old daughter, Eva, gave me permission to share that she's not as much of a bookworm as her 12-year-old sister, Olivia, is. 
And so she enjoys graphic novels. She's a real baker and a cook and loves cookbooks and baking magazines and all of that stuff. She's a strong enough reader. It's just she's not as interested in picking up a fiction, a work of fiction or a novel to read on her own. And so that's something that we're doing together. So some that I would recommend that we've done are... um, we just finished reading The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane by Kate DiCamillo. She also wrote Because of Winn-Dixie and Tale of Despero, which have movie tie-ins. But The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane is an amazing book. I've read it to grade three classes before. I had someone comment on Facebook and say that she has read it to a grade eight class. So there's a big range of, of kids that might enjoy that. And we also just started the book Augie and Me, Three Wonder Stories by R.J. Palacios. So it's a companion book to Wonder with three different perspectives kind of taking place generally at the same time as as the book Wonder did. And so it's nice to do that. The kids get to hear enhanced vocabulary, different ideas. It's also a great opportunity to talk to them about some of the concepts that are coming up in books because as you read with them, you, you're hearing what they're hearing and you can say, oh, do you think that kid should have done that? Or what would have been another way to do it? What does that word mean? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? All of that sort of stuff. It exposes them to material that they might not pick up on their own which is is important too. And you're also modeling that reading for them. So at any age, when you're reading, they're getting the idea that you can use expression, how you pace, how you stop at the commas and the periods, how your inflection goes up. You can even point out to them, you know, well, these letters were all bolded or these letters were all in caps. So I know that they want it to be louder, that they're upset here. And you can talk about that as you're reading. So there are lots of lots of great reasons to read aloud with your kids, even when they are older. I would highly recommend it. And I'd love to say we're doing it every single night, but we're not. And in fact, we've already abandoned two books that we started. And every day we just weren't saying, oh, let's get to reading time. I'm so excited to read. So I thought, forget it. There's too much going on in our lives to be, you know, kind of dreading plugging through a book. So we make sure that it's a book that we enjoy. And so far, we're really liking the uh, the Augie and Me Three Wonder Stories. So that's one that I would recommend as well. If you are looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves. I'm on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. And the blog is www.thismomloves.ca. And it means so much to me when people reach out just to tell me that they listen to the show or to make a comment, to give me a suggestion, add on. Maybe you've got a great older kid read aloud that you want to suggest or a question about reading aloud to kids. I'm always happy to answer. Just really excited to know that people out there are are listening and getting something from the show. So thank you very much to those of you who, who do reach out on social media. It means a lot to me. In the lifestyle section today, six ways to simplify your life. So I know as I get older and um, as my kids get older, all I want to do is just keep making things more and more simple. So I've got six tips today to share. And I mean, I know I'm not good at uh, good at a lot of things, but I am definitely good at, at organizing and, and keeping things as simple as possible, being efficient. So these are tips that I hope will help you. So the first one is to try to streamline your finances. So making sure that you're getting your bills by email as much as you can, as little, pa- as little paper handling as possible. Pay using pre-authorized debit or use a points earning credit card wherever you can. I know some utilities bills you can't pay that way, but a lot you can use your credit card number and, and earn points, which is great. I know some people are are wary of online banking. I've only had good experiences. And of course, I know there'll be people out there who don't, but I really couldn't function now without it. E-transfers, I love being able to just pay somebody, you know, when you um, get a product or something like that and say, okay, I'll just transfer you the money right now. And and there it goes. It's amazing. And I'm also totally in love with e-deposits. So no more carrying checks around until I can hit a bank machine. 
my teaching pay, of course, is just a regular pay deposited in my bank account. But I find a lot of the blogging and freelance writing work I do is still having a check mailed to me. And it's amazing where I can just open it up. And that's another thing I do with paper. As soon as it comes in the house, honestly, I carry it in and I deal with it right then and there standing at the counter. So if there's a check that I've received, I open it up, I sign, I write what I need to write on it. I deposit it using my phone, shred it, done. So that's a, a good thing to try to keep in mind as well. So finances, keeping them as streamlined as you can. So number two is streamlining your appointments. So think about the upcoming months and any routine things that you need to have looked after. Your dental appointments, eyes, immunization appointments for you or your family members, pets, anything that fits your situation and get them all in your calendar. A lot of people think it's funny that as techie as I am, I still love to have a paper date book. There's just something about it that... Uh, that works for me because I like having my schedule, to-do lists, finances, all that stuff I kind of put together in a book, but whatever works for you. And try to streamline in terms of getting to your appointments. For years after we moved to where we live now, I was still driving to doctor and dentist and optometrist half an hour, 45 minutes away, closer to where I used to live. And then eventually we decided that we should just try to get um, practitioners closer to home just to save on that drive. So everybody now is either 15 minutes or closer which is, is really helpful and has saved a lot of time too. My number three tip for simplifying life is to declutter. And yes, I will throw this tip in on any single list I can because it's my favorite one. It's always my streamlining priority. It is get rid of stuff. I know when people want to organize, a lot of times the first thing they want to do is go to uh, a container store and get all of these handy things that they're going to put their stuff in. But the first thing you should do is get rid of as much stuff as you possibly can. And I know that not everyone gets an actual high from purging clutter like I do. Like I really do get excited when I have a bag of donations to go off or something like that. Just having less things in the house for some reason, psychologically, mentally, it just feels good to me. But I don't think anyone's immune to the good feeling that comes from paring down your belongings. And you can also take the altruistic angle if it helps and try to think about donating the clothing, the toys, so many toys, and household items that are no longer being worn or used in your home. They can really bring happiness to others. Depending where you live, there could be a tax write-off or it's just the good feeling that you get from donating and getting your kids involved in that too. I mean, there's a real value to having kids go through their things. Mine do several times a year just to find the clothing that they've outgrown or the toys or books they don't need anymore, that sort of thing, and knowing that it's going to somebody else who can use it. So, I mean, even if it just starts with cleaning out a drawer, the kitchen utensils, maybe your underwear drawer, whatever it is, start with something small where you're going to see some success right away. Some organization experts recommend starting in the bathroom because you don't have a personal connection to too much of the stuff that's kept in there. And you can see progress pretty quickly because most, ba- most bathrooms don't have a whole ton of, um, of clutter built up in them. So just start wherever feels good for you and uh, do a little bit of a purge and I can almost promise that it'll make you feel better. And either way, uh, reach out on social media and let me know. Post a before and after if you want, or just tweet me or message me on Instagram or Facebook to let me know. Step number four for simplifying your life is to do a digital declutter. So even just the visual of the desktop on your computer screen or on your phone, can you clear it off? A nice wallpaper image, deleting a lot of things from the main screen that you don't need. If you're really ambitious, you can even start doing folders and and go through and find documents, things that are outdated that you can get rid of. 
Some time management experts don't think that inbox zero in terms of your um, your email inbox is worth the hype. But for me, I keep as little as my, in my inbox as I can. So most emails I receive are deleted as soon as they're read or even before they're read. If I can tell right away that it's something that I, I don't need, it just gets deleted right away. And then I have a filing system within my work email um, in terms of school board email and then my own personal and uh, and blogging email. Um, I keep it in inbox zero. I deal with it. If it's something is still in my inbox in either account, it means that I have to do something about it. So it's kind of like a little to-do list that when I open my email, and honestly, there are usually less than five things there. Right now, I think I have one work email and nothing in my personal email box. So everything has been dealt with. But if it's there, it means I have to do something about it. So I, so I do. And you should also unsubscribe from newsletters that you don't truly read and enjoy. So of course you want to keep your subscription to the This Mom Loves newsletter, which can show up in your inbox every week with all the new posts in it. But any brand mailings, things that don't apply to you anymore, maybe you subscribe to things when your kids were at a certain phase or when you were in a certain position and they don't apply. So get rid of those, unsubscribe, um, anything that you don't that you don't really want or take advantage of. And I do a social media clean out every so often, which I actually talked about in the last episode of the show streamlining which accounts I'm following. So ones that um, make me feel good, that are uplifting, that are helpful. And then I also do sort of a business related check to see, you know, who has unfollowed and try to keep my my numbers where I want them for things like that. So digital declutter can also be very helpful. Step number five for simplifying life is to simplify lunches. So my colleagues can certainly vouch for how lazy I am with my lunches. And I don't really have a leg to stand on when it comes to promoting super healthy eating. I try a little bit, but when I tell you that you should keep simple snack and lunch items at work, I know that the right things to be suggesting are fresh cut fruit and veggies, yogurt, whole wheat pitas, all of those sorts of things. What I keep handy is I always have a great big box in my desk of the granola bars that I have for snack so that I'm not packing one granola bar every day when I know I'm going to go through the box of 40 eventually and I can just have one a day. I don't have a problem with, you know, having too many just because they're sitting there and I'll have one a day and and I know that they're on hand. I also keep things like a big box of cereal, uh, a carton of milk, box of crackers, a block of cheese, those sorts of things so that I can just kind of make my lunch while I'm there. And every night I'm not thinking about packing a little package of crackers and a little bit of cheese. It's all just at school for me, ready to go. Leftovers are also great. So try to think about that when you're having your meals instead of saving them for tomorrow night's dinner. Could they be used for lunches tomorrow to heat up, which could save you some time and money. And also I take advantage of hot lunch days at school for myself and for my kids. If you have that option for your kids, it can be a great idea. I know my husband is great for preparing meals on the weekends. And now he actually gets Eva involved and she'll do it for him. But cooking up chicken breasts and mixing them with veggies and um, putting them in the freezer so that one can just be pulled out every morning before he goes to work. So it's great to just kind of streamline that so you're not getting it done every night. And speaking of kids, my number six step and the final one I'm going to share with you today for simplifying life is to make sure if you have kids that you are mobilizing them. So obviously your infant is not going to be too much help when it comes to this. But once your child gets to the age that he or she can do anything to help around the house, you should get them doing it. So think about your child's age and what chores they could be trained to do. So my daughters are now 12 and 10. They've been making their own beds as long as they've been dressing themselves. I had to realize too, as someone who likes things a certain way, their beds may not be made the way I would want them to be if I had done them myself, but I let that go because I want them to have that independence. So when they get up, they make their own beds, they get themselves dressed and they have for years and years. 
they fold and put away their own laundry. So I still do the laundry because they don't each make enough to do their own little bits of laundry. It makes more sense to put all the family laundry together. So I look after the washer and dryer, but then I dump their stuff outside their doors. They fold it, they put it away where it belongs. They are pretty much exclusively the ones who load and unload the dishwasher around our house. They dust and vacuum their rooms and people laugh at me because I do have a cleaning lady that comes in just for a couple of hours a week and I told her not to do the girls' rooms. They can dust and vacuum them themselves and they keep them tidy and I just feel like that's a good responsibility that they should have on their own. And they also do everything related to our bunny because I'm not really a pet person. I do love Thumper dearly. Uh, but I didn't want to have the responsibility for a pet myself. And I made it very clear to them and they have been amazing for the couple of years that he's been part of our family. They really do everything that's related to that. And when they get in the door after school, they know their jobs. They unpack their bags, they open their agendas, pull out any notes that I need to see and, and sign. They make their lunches for the next day and have them put away. And they've been doing their own lunches since Eva started kindergarten and Liv was in grade one. And there's rules about what they need to pack. So they have, you know, healthy things, appropriate things in there, but they do it themselves. Then they go straight to their guitar and piano practice, their singing practice, and then their step dancing. And then after that, they get to homework as necessary. And then by the time my husband and I are both home, we have dinner. And after that, it's usually a little more relaxing time for the family because all of that stuff is done. And if you hear all that and you think, oh my gosh, she's a slave driver and her kids get no free time, believe me, they do get, they get a lot of free time. They get a lot of time to read and play and, and go on their devices and watch TV like everybody else does or like all kids want to do. But I also get more valuable time with them because I'm not wasting time doing the jobs that they can do themselves. And speaking from a teacher's perspective, you're not doing your kids any favors by coddling them. Anything they can do themselves, you should get them doing it. And it can be uh, be a real time saver and, as I said, help you to simplify your life. So hopefully you will find those tips helpful. I'm very excited to welcome my special guest today, Meredith Kirk. Meredith is a mom of three. She's worked as an interior designer and also a realtor. Meredith is a woman of faith as well, which we're going to talk about. She also has a couple of well-known relatives that we'll discuss too later on in the show. Lots to get to. Welcome, Meredith. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. And this is actually the first time I've had a guest in person. Everybody else I've interviewed, I've interviewed uh, over the internet, and I think it's kind of appropriate. We're sitting here in this space in my home that we work together to, uh, to put together. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm happy to be back. Lots of questions for you today. So let's get started by talking a little bit about parenting in your own family. So you started with a daughter who is now six years old and then only 21 months later twins. So tell me a little bit about that parenting three and being a mom of twins, that whole thing. Um, well, it was chaos for the first little while. Um, you know, having our daughter, we knew that we wanted her to have a sibling and, um, we actually didn't find out that we were having twins until our 20 week ultrasound. Okay. Um, so that was a massive shock. We went in to find out if we were going to have a boy or a girl and they told us that we were having one of each. Okay. And so as you can imagine, everything kind of became, you know, more, more pressing you know we thought we had everything ready in terms of equipment cribs that kind of thing and all of a sudden we kind of needed double of a lot of things and um, our timeline shortened because we went from 40 weeks to 36 with twins and mm -hmm. yeah so it was uh, an interesting first few years um, yeah. so you had three under blur. two at yes. the start okay yes. yep. <laughs> three kids under two um <laughs> And hands full at all times, right? With twins. I wasn't really sure what I was getting into, um, but it's been amazing. They're now all in school. Well, the twins started JK this fall, so we kind of made it through the 
the thick of it and they're becoming little people now and it's really kind of fun to see how their personalities are developing and Yeah. yeah That's awesome. So what was the transition like when you had three at home and then one started school and then now the twins are in school too? Like, how has that been for you as a mom with them out of the house? Uh, It's been wonderful. Uh, It's been a great experience for them and it's been a great experience for me. Um, When they were small, I kind of worked from home. Um, I did my decorating business when they were small, um, kind of worked it in the nooks and crannies of when I had time to do that. Um, And I also started my real estate career when they were toddlers. I started studying for all of that. Um, And so I was kind of juggling both real estate design and kids at home. And Mm -hmm. that part was very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend it. You know, you feel like you're pulled in all directions, but at the same time, we weren't really in a position to pay for daycare um, for two kids or three kids at the time. And uh, and so it just kind of made sense for me to stay home and kind of make an income when I could. Yeah. Um, so transitioning to them going to school, it's been a whirlwind. I actually think I kind of hit the wall of this fall and kind of all of a sudden it was like, whoa, things have really changed. And yeah, um, yeah I kind of burned out, I think, and I gave myself a little bit of time and, you know, and I'm kind of ready to dive back into work with a little bit more of a free schedule, which is yeah. exciting. Well, that's good. So you've made a transition in your career recently as well. We'll get to that. But I first want to talk about how we met was when you were working in interior design. So um, one of your one of my friends, who I think is also one of your friends, recommended you. And so I contacted you and you helped me through this big reno project. For, for us, it was big. The reno of our uh, most of our main floor. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was great to, great to work with you. Great to work with a designer. So for anybody out there listening who maybe has a project that they want to get started with and they're thinking of working with a designer, any do's or don'ts or anything you'd recommend? Um, I would say obviously do your homework. Um, Lots of different designers out there that have different styles, different personalities. I think the biggest thing if you're looking at choosing a designer is to meet with a few maybe or kind of have that conversation because at the end of the day, it is your space. And although they can have really great style and know what they're doing, it might not be a fit for you personally, um, how they work or the end result. Um, So I always kind of suggest that people really chat and kind of see if personalities jive because it is a stressful situation. Um, you know, anytime your home is being turned upside down and you're kind of trusting it to someone else, Mm -hmm. it is stressful. There's things that happen that you weren't planning, um, you know, costs and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I obviously say do your homework. Um, I also think you need to be flexible because if you're ready to hire a designer, you kind of know what you think you want. Um, I always suggest that people be a little bit flexible because if you're hiring a professional, they might push you to make a decision that you wouldn't make on your own. Yes. Um, But it's always good to be pushed into your comfort zone a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as any other do's and don'ts. I think that flexibility piece yeah. is important. And I know even when I first talked to you, I said, okay, you're going to have to keep me from being matchy matchy. Like I kind of knew some things about myself yes. to sort of tell you, but it was great. Cause I remember the first time you came up, I didn't really have any pictures. We just kind of talked things through and you were kind of thinking modern farmhouse based on yeah. the vibe you were getting from me. Yeah. But then I found the photo that really was kind of my inspiration. Then you said, oh, okay, that's farmhouse glam. Yeah. And then from there we kind of knew where we were going. But what I loved about the way you worked is kind of that hourly rate for whatever work you did and you helped me narrow things down because I know like I like to think I've got good taste and I kind of knew what I wanted but I couldn't look at a thousand chandeliers and know which one was going to be right for this farmhouse glam place and that's where I really liked your 
your expertise. And I think that's a big thing in this age of everyone wanting to DIY things. You know, we have a lot more exposure to design shows, to Pinterest, all that kind of stuff where we're kind of inundated with design for homes. People kind of have a good idea of what they want. But what, what I find is a lot of people will come to me kind of after they've started their project because they get into it thinking they know what they want. But once they're in there and making all those decisions, one decision bounces off the next and it really kind of it can become overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I always liked doing the hourly rate because I could kind of see how much people wanted me involved. I didn't want to come in and take over if that's not what they wanted, but you yeah. want to, you know, be available when they need them too. So yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of nice to have that third person. I don't know if other couples have Home Depot arguments, <laughs> but I find sometimes it's nice when it's like, okay, here are the choices Meredith gave us. So which one do you like? And it wasn't all the, all the errands and all the making yeah. decisions with your partner too. Sometimes it's nice to have things narrowed down a little bit just for the sake of harmony in the home. <laughs> I do find that a lot of my job is trying to kind of listen to both sides, Yeah, you know, his and hers or whatever that may be. And, uh, and try to kind of encompass it all together and make it work. Yeah. Um, And when people are uh, doing renovations or new homes, any big mistakes that you see them making with design or things they should be thinking about? Um, I always say try to... Being too trendy or, you know, is, it can be a problem. Like I like to balance things out, um, have some really classic elements because there's a lot of things that you don't want to have super trendy because it might be cost, it might be very costly to redo them when that trend maybe isn't, isn't on anymore. Um, so things like flooring, um, flooring or flooring is a huge selling feature. Um, obviously with my real estate background as well. Mm -hmm. You can walk into a home. What we're seeing these days um, is that cohesive flooring, kind of the same thing throughout, or very minimal changes in flooring is what people gravitate towards. You know, it used to be that every room kind of had its own flooring and you kind of just picked it based on that room. But what that does is it really chops up the floor plan Mm -hmm. and it chops up the you know, the overall feel to the home. And so keeping things as consistent as possible is, you know, I think a really great way to keep your home feeling, um, the same throughout and consistent, right? So flooring is a huge area that I think is important to have, you know, really great selections on. Um, and then just knowing what things you should be investing money in and what things you can maybe cut corners on in terms of cost. Um, you know, what are the must haves, Mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, little things can be swapped out later. So if you don't have the budget for it now, put it where it's going to make a big impact and then do, do that later down the road when you maybe saved up a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think those, the flooring is huge. That's, you know, what I find and just making sure that your style is there. I like walking into a home and getting a feel for who someone is, right? If you walk into a showroom of a big furniture company and you just buy a whole set or something there and you just plunk it in, doesn't really give me a good idea of, you know, a story or your you know, things that you've gathered over time. Yeah. I like to kind of use pieces that you have and make it feel like it's a development of you and your life. For sure, yeah. And I mean, that's something we did. We certainly bought a ton of brand new furniture and you were you were there to help with that yeah. Wayfair. Oh my gosh, this is not sponsored, but yeah. that was so great to be online, yeah. pick so many things. I can't recommend them highly enough. But in terms of accessories, I'm not the type who wants to just go out to a store and load up on accessories. Most of my stuff has some sort of meaning and even a couple of our furniture pieces, like the yeah. buffet and hutch that, that we bought with some money after my grandpa died. Like, I mean, that was something I wanted to keep even though I didn't want natural oak yes. anymore. Yes. So having that refinished, having my grandma's old rocking chair and the 
old look certainly did not suit the the house but having it refinished so it is nice to have some of those personal pieces for sure that's right that's what makes a home really a home right otherwise it just looks like a showroom and we don't need that no for sure now I know when you pulled back from the interior design work and I mean everybody was asking me can I get Meredith to design for me after they saw my house which is a compliment but you had mentioned wanting to spend some more time on some other creative projects Mm -hmm. so any updates there well, um, I had all these plans of in the fall kind of sitting down and kind of reassessing what, you know, small things like things that I used to do for myself, the things that I enjoyed doing and just didn't really have time with small kids. Um, and writing is one of them. I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed writing. When I had babies, I did have a very brief blog where I wrote a couple of things. <laughs> um, I find it very therapeutic. I like getting my ideas down and I do f- I like reflecting. Um, I'm all about growth and learning and reflecting. And so writing kind of allows me that space to really think things through and find purpose in some of the things that happen. Um, And so I kind of thought that I might be getting into more writing. Um, Hasn't happened yet. I mean, (laughs) little bits and daily bits. Definitely I've had um, my journal filled out a little bit more than I ever did um, before. But I'm still kind of tapping into that and um, music is a huge thing for me. I absolutely love music and just spending time, you know, so for me, I've spent a lot more quiet time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of that was kind of reassessing, okay, in this new phase, I'm, you know, in this transition, what does God want for me now? You know, I know I can jump into real estate and be busy 24 seven if I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Is that really what I want? Is that really what, you know, God wants for me? And yeah. so kind of taking time to go, okay. You know, what What am I going to be taking on? How much am I going to be working? How much am I going to be helping other people? You know, what, is the, what does it look like now? Yeah. So. Now, you mentioned music. So I know, I believe you're part of the choir at your church. You yeah, we do. Before. Do you play bands. instruments as well? Um, I grew up playing piano. Yeah. Um, so I do play a little bit of that. I don't. Um, our church has a full-blown, we're a band. Okay. So we have, you know, electric guitars and grand pianos and yeah. bass guitars and drums and stuff like that. I don't play anything there right now, which is kind of nice. I just like to sing. Yeah, and uh, sure. But I do love music and instruments. I have a guitar. I've dabbled in many instruments over the years and it's just fun that's great so I know professionally you've moved your focus more to the real estate side of your work and you've had some important clients like your parents you Mm -hmm. sold their house last year I remember so what advice do you have on that end of things for anybody looking to buy or sell a home in the near future um, I think it's really important to work with a realtor. Um, obviously, you can buy and sell by yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know lots of people that do it and do it well, but um, it can be tricky. And again, it is stressful. So I always say kind of, you know, if you can entrust that process to someone who's in that work, line of work day in and day out, they have a good feel for what's going on in the area. Obviously, um, we are busy in our area for buying and selling homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... The biggest thing is just kind of knowing what you're looking for, um, but being open to maybe a fixer-upper or something, because in our area, we don't always, we can't always find a home that's perfect for you, right? Everything takes a little bit of something to make it up to your standards. And, um, and so I think that, you know, that's one part that I love about real estate is seeing the potential in a home and Mm -hmm. seeing how someone could turn it into fitting all of their needs that might not, you know, strike them right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, But I say, if you can not be in a hurry, that's obviously the best. It's Mm -hmm. obviously a lot harder to buy and sell when you're in a hurry. Um, But I think you get 
a realtor who's going to market the property well. Social media is great these days, right? For mm-hmm. getting the word out, for seeing things um, that way. So, I mean, social media is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, get out there and look at homes and just talk to somebody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Um, you mentioned a little while ago about what God wants for you. And, you know, I know that you're very much uh, a woman of faith. It's something you and I share. I mean, we're both both Christians. We might have a little bit of differences in our specifics, but, I mean, we're both part of that uh, that group of people. Yep. And I know it also plays a big role in your family. So can you tell me a bit about, about that, about your faith? And also, I'm curious if you ever hesitate to talk about it. I, I've seen you talk about your faith on Facebook or Instagram. Do you ever hesitate to talk about it? Have you ever had any backlash from it, anything like that? Um, I do hesitate at times because I don't think that it's something that needs to be forced down people's throat, right? I think it's a part of who I am. It's very important to me. Um, Opportunities come where I can talk about it, but um, I don't feel that it needs to be pushed on people. So I do hesitate because I know there's a lot of people out there that just don't see eye to eye. And especially in this world of social media, you know, there's a lot of criticism that happens. But um, I I really haven't seen much backlash. Again, because it's, I usually apply it to myself and personally, mm-hmm. um, I try not to make it, you know, about other people, um, or kind of, again, push it on them. Um, yeah, I, I just think that it's an important part of who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like a lot of other things are important to us, our family and that, you know, it kind of guides me and helps me make decisions. It gives me perspective, um, and I just think that it's something that is important to share. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I want to move on for a moment to a couple of your well-known family members. And when we were chatting in advance about this interview, we both felt that it was important to bring this up. So your brother's Mike Fisher, retired mm-hmm. NHL player. He retired from the Nashville Predators. We retired yeah. last year. <laughs> yes. And of course, his wife is country singer Carrie Underwood. So we wanted to talk about them a little bit in the context of the whole celebrity gossip culture. And I know um, there have been so many headlines. I mean, there are headlines about all the celebrities. Mm-hmm. And I think most of us as adults, hopefully, know which magazines are reputable and you know who you can trust but our children standing in the line at the grocery store might not understand when they see baby joy on a magazine with their aunt's face you know Mm -hmm. those sorts of things and I think also getting to know you made me think about it a little bit more because obviously Carrie has talked recently about having miscarriages and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, imagine having a cover of your face saying baby joy. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, like marriage on the rocks, you see this about celebrities. So your mom walking in and seeing a couple, you know what I mean? That yeah. sort of thing. And when you don't know any of these people in real life, it just sort of all seems like this faraway world, but yeah. it is real people. So mm-hmm. tell me a bit about that, your thoughts and how it's affected you or your family. It has been an interesting process, you know, obviously, um, just through the years as Mike became, you know, more of a star and more well-known and stuff like that, getting used to seeing things on social media and how people would maybe reach out um, just to say stuff about him to me or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, kind of slow progression. Then obviously when Carrie came into our family, it kind of was magnified even more. Yeah. Um, and the last couple of years, it's we. she has said that it's been hard, right? They've had some struggles and things going on. Um, and so we see the tabloids, you see the headlines, and it is so hard to learn not to be affected by the headlines. Um, you know, and I see them, I just know right off the hop that it's not true. I mean, I've For learned sure, so much yeah. about the magazines and when they say a source says, 
that could be the newspaper guy down the street that they run into who mm-hmm. said, you know, it, it means nothing. It's not a credible source. It's yeah. just a person for a headline. And so when you see that, and then you see how people take that so seriously and um, the expectations that fans have of knowing everything that's going on or having a right to information, what's going on in their life, it it's a little bit, it's eye-opening. Yes. Um, well, it, yeah, I kind of wanted to mention that because I know there are fans, and I mean, I, I'm totally with you, but, you know, kind of playing devil's advocate, where it's kind of like, well, we buy the tickets to the games or we buy the tickets to the concerts. We have some sort of right to information. Like, I know when Carrie had her injury, I guess a little over a year ago, maybe, people were saying, like, okay, but what exactly happened and why wasn't Mike home and why isn't she showing a photo? Like, but really, what is it with people thinking they have these rights? I don't really know. I think that it becomes a huge part of our media, right? And that we glorify these celebrities and we kind of, we put them on our magazines and it just becomes, that's information that people think they deserve to Mm -hmm. have. And I don't, I I understand to a certain extent, you know, because we've always said, if you're going to be in the public eye like that, a part of your job is... FaceTime and yeah. meeting people, you know, it was always stopping and signing autographs, Mike, you know, you'd yeah. be out for dinner with them and people would come over to your table and, you know, I might only see them once every few months or if that, and you're trying to spend time together and people are coming over and, uh, you know, you kind of learn that that's just part of it and mm-hmm. that's okay. We understand that people have this intrigue towards yeah. them, but the whole personal life stuff, I just, I can't wrap my head around why people think that that's any of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're people. Although they are broadcast worldwide or whatever, um, they are people at the end of the day and they're private people. Yeah. Mike and Carrie are very private, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I think that's a good way to be. They don't, they don't feel that it's everyone's business to know everything. And, but definitely uh, the last year has been it's been a hard one for criticisms mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But do your kids notice in the grocery store? Like, do they walk in and see and ask, like, see covers of magazines and ask you anything? Or no, they'll just kind of see a picture and they might say, "Oh, it's Aunt Carrie or it's Uncle Mike or whatever," right? And um, but we're just getting into the reading phase with the ages, right. so they didn't know so what the headline said. <laughs> that's right. So I could kind of just avoid it, but I'm a little bit nervous about when they can actually read those headlines or yeah. read things on the internet as to what they will, what they will see or th- like hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I guess that's always a learning opportunity, a time for me to just explain for right? sure. And because we see it, we see the, the bullying that happens yeah. and stuff online and well, and we don't even have any relatives on covers of magazines, but I've already talked to my girls. It's almost like which ones, you, which magazines you can sort of trust. Yeah. And it's like, no, those ones lie. Those, no, that's a lie. Because they'll say, like, not necessarily about Mike and Carrie, but a celebrity they know or whatever. Like, oh, is that true? They're getting a divorce? Or is that true? You know, whatever. No. No. Nope. It is not true at all. And I have to tell you, too. So I read all my magazines on my iPad now on Texture. And I actually went through and did a clean out and deleted a lot. Of, like, I never read the really, really trashy ones, but some yeah. of those in between ones. Yeah. Once I started realizing, no, like, these are real people, like the covers, it's just, it's kind of a turnoff now. Yeah. So I've sort of pared down to the more reputable magazines. But Absolutely. you mentioned the bullying too. And I just feel like social media, like I've learned, and I'm just a teacher, but I've learned when there are articles about teachers, do not read the comments mm-hmm. because honestly, I used to read them and cry. And it's just generally nothing was specific to me, but it's just, you know, all of that. So I can't imagine for you, if you see an article about your brother or your sister-in-law and there's all these nasty comments, like, do you ever just want to 
I know you're supposed to ignore it, but do you ever just want to reply back or say, no, that's wrong or you're awful? Yes, I do. And I have, there's been times, you know, I, it gets the better of me and I've, you know, but I, I always try to be polite in it and just bring awareness. Right. And cause attacking back doesn't fix anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but just maybe bringing awareness to the fact that probably not exactly as they think or that they really are making all these accusations without actually knowing. And these are, you know, so it's, uh, it is a learning process and it's something that you mm-hmm. kind of always have to do. I still get a little bit fired up at times when I read comments. So I'm going, Oh my goodness, you have no idea who these people are. No, you know? Exactly. So yeah. yeah, no, it's hard. And I think that's something for us with our kids too, yes. right? Like no matter who they know or what careers they go into or anything, yeah. but just being able to sort of have, have the thick skin if it's about them and teaching them how to respond to troll type stuff and what to ignore. And it's hard. Like my daughter I know when you're 12, you can technically get on social media. So she turned 12 um, much earlier this year. And so she just got Snapchat and just for her best friend only. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, we saw how that went and added on one more friend. Yeah. And then what, I mean, I'm just so, and I mean, social media is a big part of my work, but I'm really, really cautious about it. And it's not like with our, our kids, I'm sure you trust yours and I trust mine. It's not that I think she's going to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's just everybody else. I don't want anybody hurting my child's feelings out yes. there. Yeah. And you know what? I think we keep talking about bullying and all this stuff about kids and all the anti-bullying stuff. But what I see on social media is that it's all adults. Uh, You know, so many adults are just thinking, well, it's social media, freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want, but people seem to have forgotten the whole thing. Like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. You know, and it's just because it's on social media or they posted a picture of themselves on social media. It doesn't give people the right to comment on this or that, or that you don't like her new makeup or you don't like this, you know, I just think like, yeah, there's more to people than this stuff. And I think I just, I want my kids to know that and learn yeah. that. So I think that it's important that we model that as adults on social media as For well, sure. right? Yeah. And I don't know if I've even mentioned this ever before on uh, on my blog or my podcast, but one time when I was on the social, when I got home, I had gotten a couple of mean tweets. And so I looked at this person's account and it honestly looked like they had opened an account that day mm-hmm. to send me a few mean tweets about my appearance on the show. And it was really superficial, mm-hmm. my voice and, you know, like really critique kind of things, but like they just had the egg as their mm-hmm. profile photo and a few mean things. And that was it. And I just thought like, how sad mm-hmm. it did hurt my feelings because I'm a sensitive person. Yeah. And you know, then you start thinking, Oh, did my voice sound, you know, you're overthinking it then. But then I just blocked and yeah. thought I'm never looking at that account again. I don't want to know if they're, yes. if they're sending anything else, yes. but you're right. And I'm sure it was an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sitting there watching the show who had nothing better to do than try to hurt someone like yeah. Yeah. it's awful for yeah. sure. Well, moving on to something a little happier now, I'm wondering if you have any favorite things that you would like to recommend to listeners, like beauty products or apps or games, anything that you think listeners might enjoy. Oh, I was, you know, really thinking about that because this, you know, it's something that you don't actually go, okay, what is a list of my favorite things? But um, with the holidays, um, I kind of, you know, some of the things that I was looking for and things that I get regularly I'm going to say top of my list for small items are the chapters reading socks. Oh, yes. I absolutely love those. I am a tall person. I have cold limbs, cold (laughs) extremities all the time. So, um, yeah, my husband got me my first pair last year for Christmas. And 
followed it up with another pair this year and are I they just the ones love that have messages on the feet or anything or sometimes they do the one that the ones that I got last year had a white maple leaf on the top of the foot oh, but nice. they were gray knit and yeah. this year they're just gray knit but they're all so cozy inside yeah. like really thick I put them on over top of my other socks when I'm home and just kicking up my feet it's like having slippers but way comfier nice um, chapters great yeah and I got them for all my kids this year too so uh the chapters reading socks um I also love the little spirally hair elastics that are Mm -hmm. all the rage now. Um, They have completely transformed my ponytail. So I'm going to put a little plug in those. Um, I got them from Sephora. So they're the little like um, wound coils. Yeah, the coiled ones. ones. Um, When you put them in your hair, I just find instead of a regular hair elastic, which makes your ponytail really flat and tight together, Mm -hmm. all the little coils allow you to kind of open up and pull your ponytail out and fill the coils so you get a little more texture out of your ponytail. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of hair, so I'm always looking for ways to make it look like I have more. So I should look into that. Yeah, Yeah. I really like them and I do find they hold really well and they don't put a crease in your ponytail. That's good. So because it kind of hits the hair at all different points, um, rather than one solid kind of ring. When right. your hair comes out, it's less likely to have that crimp look, which is Perfect. great. Yeah. Um, another favorite thing, Living Proof. Um, they're a hair product company. Mm-hmm. Um, their bodybuilding spray is another one of my favorites. Okay. Um, you can control how much kind of hold and volume you have. Um, so I use that kind of in my hair for both ponytails, like updos or just regular. It just gives a little extra um, bounce to my hair, which I really like. Okay. Good to know. There's another one I'll try. <laughs> yeah, great. Love it. Great. Um, yeah, I guess okay. that's a few little things. Well, that's good. A few fun little things to end the conversation. Well, thank you so much, Meredith Kirk, for being here in my kitchen with me today, this kitchen that you helped design, which thanks I so love much. so much. And thanks for all of your insights and everything. So I will have um, links to Meredith Kirk if you would like to follow her on social media in the show notes. So this is episode 14 at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. Again, episode 14. Thanks again, Meredith. Thank you so much, Kate. And that concludes this episode of This Mom Loves. For all of the information shared here today, whether it was the recommendation of read-alouds for older kids, more information on six ways to simplify your life, or if you would like to find Meredith Kirk online, I will have all of that in the show notes at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And this was episode 14. Thanks as always to my talented editor, Lucas Wojcicki. And until next time, Have a great week, everyone.